Today is uh, Pentecost, Penta meaning 550 uh, days, so we are now 50 days after Easter. Um, so late service people, uh, pay attention uh, to what's going on today and the significance of that. Uh, first service people continue to meditate uh, this week of, uh, you know, some, I've heard some pastors and uh, theologians, professors refer to Pentecost as, you know, the, the birthday of the Christian church. Um, and that's not wholly or completely inappropriate in any way. Um, obviously, the, the, the gospel was out there before that. Uh, but Pentecost certainly kind of was the, 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 the big kind of event uh, that started that. So, okay. Uh, and Pastor Grady, we're going to do some other stuff, uh, what, 20 after 25? Okay, yep, we've got some uh, graduates we want to recognize and give thanks to God as they, uh, uh, and pray for them as they, as they move on. So, okay, enough about that. The Lord be with you. O oh God, on this day you once taught the hearts of your faithful people by sending them the light of your Holy Spirit. Grant us in our day by the same Spirit to have a right understanding in all things and evermore to rejoice in his holy consolation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Okay, if you've got the book, uh, we're still studying the Saving Truth Doctrine for Lay People uh, by uh, Reverend Professor, now sainted, Kurt E. Marquardt. We're on chapter 4 today, uh, Justification and Sanctification, uh, Faith and Love. And I reminded you last week, and I think the week before, uh, if you're, you know, kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together, look at the order of how he is presenting this concept of doctrine for lay people to you, okay? So look at what he starts with, uh, number one, number two, number three, the foundation that's being laid. Um, you can go back and review as well the Augsburg Confession, um, although sometimes I think the ordering of the Augsburg Confession Uh, gets misunderstood because they were dealing with specific things that were going on in 1530 um, as opposed to just kind of a complete overview because there's things that aren't covered in the Augustana which a lot of people, you know, were were the uh, the church of the unaltered Augsburg Confession, right? So if you really want to dig into the Lutheran Confessions, I would encourage you to go another 50 years further on in history to 1580 uh, to the formula of Concord, okay? Uh, The formula of Concord, if you're really looking for a synopsis of what we believe, uh, more of a wider, uh, broad sweep that would cover things, the formula would do that, okay? Some of you are looking at me like, I have no idea what the formula of Concord is. Um, So it's in the Lutheran Confessions. Uh, If you don't have that at home, come see one of us pastors. We can help you get it ordered. Um, But uh, those are the teachings uh, proper exposition of the Lutheran Church. Okay, any questions about that or did I go too far? We're good? Okay, here we go. Chapter 4, uh, page 55 in your book. I don't know what page if you've got the Kindle version on your uh, smart device. How can I get a gracious God? This haunting question did not mean for Luther what we moderns are so apt to think it meant, meaning, how can I hit upon just the right mix in religion? to make me feel good and upbeat rather than depressed? That's an interesting question. I had somebody the other day say, oh, pastor, you know, I, I know, I know that, that we're not, you know, happy, clappy Christians like some of these other Christians are, but, you know, some of these people from these other churches, they just seem happy all the time. They're just so happy. 
you know, my neighbors, and everything is just so wonderful, and, and, and maybe that's what we need to try and, and make our, 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 our Lutheran church about. I wasn't sure how to answer that. How would you answer that question? That's kind of what more court's getting at here. How would you answer that question? How can I hit upon just the right mix in religion to make me feel good and upbeat rather than depressed? No takers? You're all sitting there shaking your heads, but none of you want to none of you want to really answer the question. Oh, go ahead, Mary. Your husband's pointing at you. Ooh, that's a good answer. So she said uh, that, that, that we should focus on long-term joy, and I liked what you did there with the words, because there is a difference between joy and happiness, right? So long-term joy rather than, you didn't use the word immediate, but current happiness, I assume, is what you meant, that sort of thing, okay? That's, that's, a, that's a very good answer. Any other takers? Yep, Mrs. McKay? Okay, so you're looking forward to something yet to come, okay? Things that are unseen rather than things that are seen, you quoting scripture, because that's really good if you were. So, okay, all right. Any other comments? It fades quickly, like the, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. I think that's a scripture verse as well somewhere. That's good, okay, so, so it fades. it's not lasting, okay? All right, any other comments on that? Be mindful that especially with um, newer, you know, Christians, I, I encounter this a lot, not, and not just with, with younger, younger folks, but I would say just people that are new to the church, right? Uh, the, the devil really attacks in various ways. And, and, and one of the, 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 the conversations that I find myself having over and over again sometimes uh, with new individuals, couples or families, uh, is, 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 is they start to kind of struggle with this. You know, one is, we're all Christians, why can't we all get along, right? So, so where, where are the differences? And then that's a matter of teaching. Uh, that's a matter of, of, of simply pointing to some things. That's why, as C.F.W. Walter said, communion is our banner. So one of the first places I know I can always go is talk about, okay, how is communion celebrated over at wherever it is that you're talking about or your friends go? What does Scripture say? How does that jive? You know, so that, that's a place to start. You know, you can get into the office of the ministry. I mean, there's so many different, you know, baptism, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, the question of whether you've made a decision for Jesus, whether you're saved by your commitment or what you've done. So my wife taught at a, a Baptist school this last year, Central Christian Academy. Um, I'm not sure they believe that you're saved or not based on what you told me about the chapel services because I'm not sure you've really made a full decision for Jesus, have you? You seem to believe that Jesus saved you and that you didn't do anything. So which is, is really ridiculous. That requires a huge amount of faith, by the way. Okay, <laughs> enough about that. Any other comments before we move on here? So the, the, I, just, I just want you, when we talk about justification, remember justification is a legal term, to be made just as if you had no sin. Justification is 
you know, think of the uh, judicial side of our government, you know, uh, declaring, deciding guilt or innocence. So justification is to be made just, which in the most simplest way is to be declared not guilty, right? Even though you are. So the judgment's already been pronounced upon all mankind. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? So that was the problem back in Noah's day as well. Every inclination of a man's heart was happy all the time. No, sinful all the time. Got it? Okay. So the judgment has already been passed. It's not a matter of, of having or waiting for a judgment. The judgment is you are a sinner now. God has already declared that, you see. And so that judgment's already been passed. So everybody is born into that. So, so now what needs to happen is you need to somehow be declared not guilty. And that's where we get into other denominations or religions that would teach this is what you need to do to earn your monopoly, get out of jail, free card, do not pass go. Or actually, yeah, no, that's if you go to jail. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. So, all right, let's move on. So Luther despised this play religion of this sort. Nor was he asking, as philosophers ask, comfortably over coffee or cocktails uh, or gin, Dr. Colson, where do we come from? Where are we going? And so on. Not puzzles and brain teasers were on Luther's mind, but the most pressing emergency of our existence. And you might want to underline this. How can a sinful human being find mercy and acceptance before the great and holy God who hates and crushes all evil? So have in the back of your mind as we, as we think about this question, what we talked about the last week or two, which was dealing with how we perceive and believe Jesus to be both God, divine, and, and, and human, right? Uh, so he's both at the same time, and one of the fun things we started to think about was, was, was if culture has changed uh, from the time of the early church, because Professor Marquardt uh, and I as well made the statement that in, in the early church at that time, what was, the, what was the big issue with viewing Jesus? How did the early church, or the culture, let's say it that way, how did the culture back, you know, 2,000 years ago, what was their error in viewing Jesus? They erred, they erred on the human or the divine side? On the divine side. And in our culture, we are where? Human side, right? And so that kind of led to a little bit of that discussion. And you know what? As long as you're thinking about that, that's, that's all I'm really asking. Because you could, you could make the argument in, in various ways. But Jesus is both human and divine at the same time. Okay? So this is the great and holy God who hates and crushes all evil. So then, if we truly believe that where two or three are gathered... Uh, if we believe that, that God is with us through these means, if we believe that he's uh, appointed, ordained men to speak for him, um, so when we come to church, we are in the presence of which God? The human and the divine God. I mean, he's really there. You get that? Jesus is physically present. He's not just physically stuck up in heaven. That's a... Oh, where are they at? They're going to call me out on this one. That's not just a Reformed thing, <laughs> right? 
I mean, because that, that was where Calvin really started to, you know, go down uh, the, the rabbit's hole uh, with the concept of Jesus is, is, is only physically in heaven. He can't physically be where? Here. But he can physically be here because he's God. So if he says he's, his body is in the bread and his blood is in the wine, do you believe it? Not only that, look at the, the body of Christ. <laughs> the promises that Jesus makes that I will be with you always. Well, okay, well then you, then you have to extrapolate from that if you start getting all philosophical. Well, Jesus just meant my spirit will be with you, right? Well, only a part of me is going to be with you. I, I'm not really going to be with you completely. Most of me will be stuck up in heaven. You see where you go when you start to... So he's really here. And not just Jesus. God the Father is here. The Holy Spirit is here. So Pentecost has a whole different connotation when you start putting all this together. And so when you stand before the Most High God, here's what I want you to think about. How should you feel about standing before God? You, you should feel two things. Okay? One, you should feel a little bit of humility. <laughs> I mean, this is a big deal. Think of the one person that you look up to the most. For some of you, younger uh, students could be uh, a celebrity, could be, you know, I mean, just, just if, you, if you had to meet one person you've never met before, but you, you got to meet with them, you got to go, who would, who would that be? Okay? Who, who would be a hero to you? That would be a really big deal. So much so that if you got to go, you know, have supper with them, you know, you would, you would make sure, you know, that you, you shaved and trimmed and dressed up nicely. You'd maybe break out great-grandma's, you know, china, um, or you'd save a little extra money, go tonight. You're going to do something special, right? I mean, you're going to do, do it up right, because this is important. So how does that work with God? Okay, I mean, if the president comes in the room, you've heard me say this before, what are the majority of people going to do? Stand up out of respect for the office, right? Whether you like the man or not. I would have stood for President Obama, and I will stand for President Trump. Why? Because of the President of the United States. And that office, regardless of who occupies it and what I may think of them and what political party they're affiliated with, deserves and demands what? Okay? So now think about that in terms of your Christian faith. <laughs> and now start applying that, I mean, to worship and, and other ways. Now, you don't want to get too far to the extreme of that, where it's all pomp and circumstances, and some churches do that, okay, where it just, it just, it's just all pomp and circumstances. You've got to be careful with that, right? Uh, so we don't believe that the way or the why we do things is, is going to earn us any extra status or anything like that. All right, let's move on. Any comments on that? Just getting a few things in your big perceptive brains. Okay, this cry out of the depths, and that's Psalm 130, verse 1, signals not a private neurosis, but the utter realism of one who has glimpsed something of his true standing before God, right? So that's the law. What is my standing before God? I'm guilty. I deserve him to walk into this room and literally send me to hell. That's what my sins deserve. I'm a sinner. Now, if you're not there and you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm really, no, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good guy, right? I mean, I take care of my wife and my kids. And, and they go to 
baseball and, and volleyball, and I go to work every day, and, and you know, God's not going to do that to me. We need to talk, if that's the case, because Scripture says otherwise. That's a hard thing for a lot of people in culture to grasp, and that's where God's Word comes, and this is what God says, and the Holy Spirit convicts the world of what? The Holy Spirit convicts the world of righteousness, is the first thing that text says. What that means is it shows you who is righteous and who is not. And so the first thing you learn from Holy Scripture, and this is why, you know, first becoming a Christian, or if you have people that you're talking to that are unchurched, hearing God's Word is at first a little bit of a Debbie Downer. It can be. Why? Because you realize what you deserve. And I think we forget that sometimes. And so churches that are just being a Christian is all happiness and wonderful. It's like you said, that's going to fade away because that's not the reality, is it? The reality is we're still sinners and we're going to struggle with it. Okay, any comments on that? I started to get you a little talkative earlier. I'll keep working on it. So this echoes the plaint of the great Apostle Paul himself. And let's read Romans 7.24 together. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Right? And that's the other life-changing moment is when you have to stare death directly in the face. When you've been young and healthy and vibrant and all of a sudden you go to the doctor, you start feeling a certain way and boom, your world is rocked because now something that you haven't had to deal with before is now staring, death is staring you in the face. So the Augustinian monk Martin Luther found his way to Paul's answer by the way of St. Augustine, uh, 354 to 430 AD, who had written that human hearts are restless until they find rest in the Lord. Think about that one. Human hearts are restless until they find rest in the Lord. You like that quote? I think that's a good one. So justification is gospel bedrock. That's our foundation. It should not surprise us, therefore, to find here the very epicenter of that great upheaval known as the Reformation. Okay? Justification is the core of Christianity. Whatever one thinks and says here must, affects, must affect one's understanding of everything else all along the line of Christian truth. So let's jump into it. Justification as imputation. Imagine a fever chart. Unlike the charts used in hospital, this will be a spiritual fever chart. And you can look on the next page for that, or we'll get to it here in a second. It measures, let us say, spiritual goodness or righteousness. You know what? Yeah, you got it up there? Thank you. Just listen. The bottom line represents our starting level at birth, and that's Ephesians 2 verse 1. Dead in trespasses and sins, by nature the children of wrath, right? So, so there's the judgment or the revelation of, of who we are, right? So we talk about judgment's been passed. This is the reality. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. We are by nature the children of wrath, okay? So now what we need is not some halfway goodness, even if we could get that, to stand before God, it is necessary to be totally good 100%, right? So this is take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground, right? Um, you know, this is, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the Israelites didn't get this right away. So they hear the word of God. And do you remember how, what they say when, when God's word is presented to them? They basically say, we hear everything you say, God, and we will do 
everything that you say. And that's repeated over and over again. We hear it and we'll do it. <laughs> you know, and they try. God love them, they try. Just like, you know, there's times that you try to do the right thing, right? You know, maybe, maybe you're working on losing a few pounds or you're, you're you know, and, you, and you're good for a while. But then something happens. And it can be any little thing. Just think of some habit you're trying to break in your life. Something that you don't like. Is that hard to do? Oh, yeah. It's hard to break habits. Okay? Sometimes you need help with that. Okay? Now, all things are possible, not only with God, but iron sharpens iron as well. Okay? Um, but, you know, now think about that in terms of sin and death. <laughs> How are you going to overcome that one? <laughs> right? Uh, enter Jesus, stage left, right? So, so to stand before God, it is necessary to be totally good 100%. The only way in which we can have that is by way of a gift from God himself, not by any decision that my wife is going to make or commitment or yours, okay, or any sort of misinterpretation of grace, meaning grace being a power that is given to you and you need to put this grace to work to earn so many bitcoins with God. And once you get to a certain level and value, then you're going to be good, right? It doesn't work that way. So this is precisely what happens in justification, which is represented in our diagram by the J line. We still go back to the diagram real quick. So there's, see the J line? It's hard to see kind of on that one. It looks a little bigger in my book. Well, I got my readers on too. Okay, so the J line is up top. So this justification is simply the forgiveness of our sins. Or viewed another way, it is the exchange of guilt and innocence between Christ and ourselves. His perfect righteousness is credited to us and covers our sinfulness. God regards us no longer as we are in ourselves, that is, sinners, but as if we were his own dear holy son, Jesus. All of this happens in the first moment of faith. You might want to underline that. So even a little baby in the womb, hearing is one of the first things. And I know we've got some medical people in here, so correct me if I've, I've read. They've changed some of this, but I think we're talking now hearing between six to eight weeks. Am I close on that? You don't know. Oh, you guys aren't any help. <laughs> okay. But, I, but, but hearing is one of the very first things to, to, to develop. Okay. Um, and so now you might say, is hearing limited to physical hearing? Because what happens with people that are deaf? And what's the simple answer? Is God's word relegated just to, is, is, it, is God's word bound by the physical laws of this world? Ah. So where... Two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them also, right? So wherever he is in his word, you know, he is there. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing is the word, the gospel of Christ as well, okay? Um, and so the, the, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. The Holy Spirit works in, in ways that, that uh, I mean, Scripture certainly reveals, but you can't, you can't pin the Holy Spirit down. Um, but where Scripture says the Holy Spirit's at work, then we simply believe, Make sense? So where the word is, where it's read, where it's at work, um, and then that word obviously should be conveyed, which is Pentecost. So for someone who is deaf that can't hear, it should be what? Written down or should be signed, right? Which is why American Sign Language is important, 
okay? J just as is Braille and any other form, okay? And if you're getting to the point where you're a little e uh, older and you can't hear so well, we, we do have things to help you with that in church. Did you know that? Don't be ashamed to use that. If you get to the point where you can't see so well, guess what? We have things to help you with that too. We have large print uh, bulletins and binders in the back, okay? And if you need them a little bigger, guess what? We can do that really easy, <laughs> okay? That's okay. So, so, so God works through all those things. Okay, where are we at? Okay, what do I got about? 20 after Pastor Grady? Okay. I have a tendency to go long, so well, I just wanted to make sure. So all this happens in the first moment of faith. As soon as we believe in our Savior Jesus, His whole great saving work for us becomes ours as a free gift. But justification, or the complete forgiveness of our sins, is not the only thing that happens. God does not simply, simply forgive and accept us and then leave us just as dead inside as we were before. Coming to faith is a new spiritual birth. And out of this new life, which is faith, there flow love and all good works in the service of God and man. This effect of faith is called sanctification, and that's the S line there in the graph. Since the intensity of faith and love vary, sanctification, but not justification, has ups and downs, right? The S line is a zigzag, but its trend is upward toward maturity, okay? So you're going to have times in your life where you just screw up. <laughs> you're, 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 a, you're a, a mean husband, you're a disrespectful wife, you're a belligerent uh, uh, son or a daughter, uh, you're a mismanaging worker. Uh, I mean, you're, gonna, you're a sinner, okay? And so your, your life has ups and downs because you, can't, you cannot be perfect all the time, okay? And even sometimes the things you want to do, as Paul says, you don't do. And the things you don't want to do, you keep on doing. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death, right? Now, the beautiful thing about that is that doesn't have, go back to the graph, that doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. See, this is where other denominations get this so screwed up. Look at the J line. Justification has been done for you. You're saved on account of Jesus. Now, what God the Father does uh, through the Son and with the Son sends the Holy Spirit so that you will grow up into maturity. So, yes, as you get older, you leave things of your youth behind. My wife is so glad that I've finally started to mature after almost 20 years of marriage, right? Or over 20 years of marriage, sorry. Uh, so, <laughs> there I go. I just went down. You see that one? <laughs> So, <laughs> Pastor McKay, yes. I, I looked at this, and, and it is a long-term thing where you're yes. constantly getting better. But I also looked at this and thought, well, let's see that first J. I didn't realize it was a J. I said, okay, that's the first 12 hours a day to the middle, and the next 12 hours a day to the second J. Our whole day is even. Yeah, it know, is. Yeah, Like up we're down. dying in ventricular fibrillation. Just, and this know. is where the real freedom of being a Christian comes from is the J line, your salvation, your standing before God, is all done. It's all done. Okay? Now we'll talk about the fact that that doesn't now give you freedom to sin, which is what some of these other denominations that would believe opposite of this would accuse us of. Okay? Um, there is spiritual maturity, salvation achieved by Christ alone, right? Sola Christus. Okay, sola gratia, grace alone, sola fide, faith alone. All of this revealed to us in sola scripture, uh, scripture alone, word alone, okay? 
All right. Okay. Any other comments on that? Let's go. Let's. Uh, where are we at here? We got one more paragraph. Okay. So his whole great saving work for us becomes ours as a free gift. Now, justification is not the only thing. So down a little bit. Coming to faith is a new spiritual birth. Out of this life, which is faith, there flow love and all good works in the service of God and man. So we do talk about good works. Okay. And we do admonish and encourage good works that needs to be done. So we're not antinomians. You and I as sinners still need the law. You need to be reminded what good works are. You need to be encouraged and exhorted to do those good works. Okay? Because this side of heaven, you remain still a sinner. Okay? So the effect of faith is called sanctification. That's the S line. The intensity of faith and love varies. Sanctification has ups and downs. Uh, next paragraph, the sharp distinction between justification, by which alone salvation is obtained, and sanctification, which follows as a result, right? So think of it this way. Think of, uh, uh, think of justification being the horse and sanctification being the cart, okay? Uh, or think of justification being the nice big Ford F-350 with the new big diesel engine, and sanctification is the great big fifth wheel camper with four slides, double sinks. Oh, sorry, am I going too far? Right? With the garage in the back to carry around your motorcycle or ATV or anyway, okay. Right? So <laughs> justification is 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 the is the tow vehicle, is the, the the that which does all the work and gets it all done. That's where your horsepower is, right? Sanctification is what gets pulled behind, okay? So all that justification work is, is, is done for you by Jesus. Okay, you're welcome for that image in your mind. On the basis of Scripture, the Reformation kept these two things quite distinct, while the opponents confused and collapsed them, and I think that's still happening today, okay? So that sanctification was mistaken for justification. Okay, I had an interesting chat with one of my neighbors, and, and they're, they're big involved members at, at Traders Point. They're Christians, I love them for that. They believe Jesus is their Savior. They believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But they are mistaken on this point that I just read. Okay? And, I, and I pray for them because of that, and I hope I have opportunity to, to talk with and maybe open their eyes a little bit to it. I mean, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how the Lord works there. Um, but, uh, the, you know, when well, on the basis of Scripture, the Reformation kept these two things quite distinct. The opponents confused and collapsed them. So that sanctification was mistaken for justification. So now the way you have access to God or righteousness is by what? Your good works, however you want to define that. Okay? Um, and so this confusion works havoc with the biblical gospel and misdirects people to seek justification and salvation in the wrong place. In tabular form, and we'll close here kind of with this, the main distinctions could be put like this. Uh, justification, let's read. Can you read that underneath there? Okay. Imputation, outside ourselves, instantaneous or perfect. So imputation meaning that which is, is literally imputed to you. And I just used the word in a sentence. You're not supposed to do that when you're defining things. But it, it gives it to you, right? I mean, think of it like an injection, um, however you want to you look at it, okay? Uh, or, you know, I do most of my banking online. It simply shows up in my bank account. I didn't do anything, right? It's just there. It's just a completely, you know, free gift, okay? Um, which, if, if that ever happens to you, what should you do? Call the bank. <laughs> the sinner in you says, hey, free money. 
And there's no such thing as free money, by the way, but okay. Outside yourselves, okay, so this is extranos. You'll hear that Latin term that is used. Uh, and it's instantaneous, it's perfect. It's there and then, which is just, just amazing. Now let's look at sanctification, we'll close with this. Transformation, which means there's now a change of form, right? So, you know, so in a, in a, in a Christian, somebody becomes a Christian, um, there's going to be a change in that. It's the same thing we as parents would expect of our kids, that over the years they're going to what? Don't worry, it'll happen. Mature, right? Do you want to talk anymore about it? Okay, we're good. But, yeah, you expect that, right? They get, they get a little older, get a little wiser, they can make decisions for themselves. You don't, you don't have to go police them all the time. You know they're going to make mistakes. But, but there's transformation there. Uh, secondly, this happens inside ourselves. This is intranose. So this is the Holy Spirit coming now inside of you uh, and working and motivating you uh, to do those things. And, and sometimes, parents, we have to trust the Holy Spirits at work that way too. Because we can't see inside people, can we? And as pastors, we have to trust the Holy Spirits at work there too. Okay. Now there should be you know, some outward fruit transformation that's taking place, but we have to believe the Holy Spirit's doing His work. And lastly, um, the word there is, is gradual and imperfect. Okay? Uh, gradual meaning it takes time. Imperfect meaning the Holy Spirit is taking up residence where? In your imperfect body and mind, Right? And so we're not always going to do everything because the graph goes like this. Okay? All right, we will pick up next week with the word imputation on the top of uh, page 57. Any closing comments today? Learn a little something or review a little bit, hopefully? Okay. All right. Pastor Grady, it's all yours. Cool. Let's see. Um, how many of our graduating students do we have here? One. Two, three, three of you? Okay, good. Well, come on up here. I don't think we have any college graduates, do we? Yeah, all of you, come on up. I need my phone. And uh, Natalie, bring me that cake. There's going to be a picture. It's going to end up someplace. I don't know where, but... Uh, and the benefit of the picture being taken is then well, you all get to consume some more calories and celebrate with these guys real quickly. But um, what we really want to do is grab Mr. Microphone, that's a, if you know what that is, and tell us, for those who don't know, and I most know, your name, where you graduated from, where you're going, and what you think you want to do. Because what you think you want to do may end up being entirely different what you end up doing by the time you're my age. Because I thought I wanted to do a lot of things, and I did a lot of things. So, Lucy, first. Hi, I'm Lucy Pry. Um, I graduated from Carmel High School, and I'm going to Washington State University. And I leave in nine days now. <laughs> and I am studying viticulture and enology. And for those of you who don't know, that's winemaking. So if anyone needs some wine, can just call me mm. <laughs> in a few years. <laughs> How long before you hey, turn friends. 21? Uh, that's undocumented. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
Hi, I'm Elise Pickering. I graduated from Carmel High School. I'm going to IU in the fall, um, and I'm going to be studying epidemiology and like pre-physician's assistant track. Um, and my sister is going to Purdue studying engineering. I'm Payne. I'm going, or I graduated from Zionsville. I'm going to IU to study business, which is considerably less interesting than the last two. So, good job. Uh, <laughs> So um, IU and IU, I, I pretty well know where you guys will be going to church um, down there. I got to work on this one fast because uh, do you, do you know where you're going? There's one on campus, Lutheran, yeah. LCMS. Uh, yeah. uh, this is a major question. Because <laughs> if not, we got work to do, either on them or finding another church. Nice. That'll probably end up on an English district website. So. Well, yeah, congratulations to all of you, and, and, you know, we've prayed for you through your high school years, and you've all been involved in VBS and all those fun things, and as college students, we'll still continue to pray for them, because uh, it, it will be an interesting time in your life, and many interesting courses you will take. Um, I'm hearing of some that my daughter's taking next year. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Women's and Gender Studies at Concordia University. I am really looking forward to see what that's like. Um, so <laughs> it'll be interesting. We'll come back with a full report in December. Um, but yeah, so let's just close with prayer for these guys as well. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your gifts, most especially your gifts of children. And we ask that you would watch over these children, which are now really young adults, and, and we ask that you would watch over them and keep them in this faith they have learned in this church and in your church. Guide their ways and use them in the vocations you have before them that may change many times through their lives, but always guide them and see them through to the last day and eternal life in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.